Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. It is born in the fury of the most violent storms on Earth. It has traveled thousands of miles, building in strength and size. And here, in a remote corner of the planet, some men will not run from its fury. They will ride it. You're not ready for it. I'm ready. So when the wave breaks here, don't be there, or you're gonna get drilled. He's a modern savage. If I say it's safe to surf this beach, Captain, it's safe to surf this beach! What's he searching for? The ride. The ultimate ride. What's up? The only thing surfers have in common with the rest of America is they're unemployed and love crystal meth. Welcome back to the Ocho, number eight surf center. Can you believe it? We made it eight, eight of these goddamn things so far. It's kind of amazing. Um, we got Chad White and Damian Farenfort from Free Radicals, and we are going to be talking with Sal Masakela today about a you know subject that we've been talking about the last couple episodes. But you know, essentially, what we're what we're doing is is trying to sort out you know who to listen to, what are the best resources. Um, whether we should or shouldn't open beaches. Just generally speaking, how do we navigate our way through this whole COVID thing? Um, just at, from a purely human perspective, but also from a when the heck can we go back in the water kind of perspective. So Totally. And it's like been a hot topic of... Uh, I don't know what... I don't know if people have been arguing about it, but like of contention at least, right? Full. Yeah. Full argument. Yeah. yeah, it's been, it's no, been it's an been argument. Awesome. And... Yeah. There's obviously different people on different sides of the fence, whether you're right leaning, left leaning, and I think that's at the core of it. And then sure. also just wanting to go surf, right? That's yeah. that's all of us. Like I've, you know, admittedly snuck a few sessions here and there. I'm not very proud of it, but three and six weeks I figured doesn't make it okay. Yeah. But uh, I figured I wouldn't try to lie about it. No, it's I, I think admitting it, you know, hey, here's the thing. Just like anything, like alcoholism but, or drug and, addiction. <laughs> And you know, like, it doesn't make it okay. That's bullshit. <laughs> yeah. It's like, no, it's I'm like just... saying no offense before someone really, before yeah. you really offend someone. Hey, Duma, no offense, but, yeah. but here's the thing. Like when it, the fact that you went surfing is it, not okay. I mean, look at yeah. you're admitting it. It's the first step to understanding that you have a problem. Yeah. Um, no, the, 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 the fact here is, is that the, at the end of the day, people are, are losing their jobs. They're losing their homes. They're losing their, their lives. They're losing, they're getting sick. They're having, they're getting this illness that may, may, you know, affect them for the rest of their lives. And meanwhile, we're whining about whether we're going to go surf or not. Right. And it depends on where you live, you know, like in, in the OC in San Diego, man, there's a lot of gnarly whining. There's whining up in, in LA. There's whining too. Not quite as much as a different kind of whining, you know, but, but, it's very vocal and political depending on where you where you live. Up here, I think since we're so liberal, we're kind of like, oh, I guess we have to kind of stick by that we're liberal thing up here and maybe just act like it's okay. We're down in Orange County. They're just like, you know, MAGA, MAGA, MAGA. We're cool hanging out with, you know, we're going to go, we're going to go to the Trump rally and we're going to, and you know, at Huntington Beach and we're going to protest with those guys because we're completely aligned in that case. Heavy to me, right? Totally. And that's kind of what, you know, we posed the question on maybe a few episodes ago when we were talking about doing this episode mm -hmm. on can you be a conservative and be a surfer right and i guess it, you know we i think we stalled recording this episode for a bit because we're kind of seeing how things transpire but yeah. more so because it's kind of an opening question it was hard to get an answer out of it right because like the and i think matt bolas if you listen to that one already he kind really of nuanced, hit the nail yeah. on the head right yeah. like there's like aspects of both sides that you take, right? And you, mm -hmm. you, and how do you try and marry those and make it your own? But at the end, of, and maybe it doesn't have to be such a clear line in the sand like we want it to be. Yeah, um, I mean that's that it, it it and it's not. I mean, all three people we talk to, yeah, you know, are are very much about you know they they definitely aren't clear cut. There's not a black and white solution here. No, there isn't a clear cut, and it's just basically what they. Each person tries to encourage the listener, whoever mm -hmm. their family, whoever they're dealing with day to day, is to formulate their own opinion. Right. And so often when we read into somebody's Instagram or their post, we don't pick that up, that side of it up, right? Because you're just hearing their opinion. Yeah. Therefore, you think they're trying to preach to you and tell you that their opinion is right. And that's how that's how I interpret it. Uh, that's how I think most of it. You look at the comments. I think that's how people interpret it. 
but they're just putting it out there saying, hey, let's talk. You know, I've seen Sal and both Matt commenting back to people when they argue or, you know, there's some ridiculous people that they just don't yeah, entertain. Just like, yeah. And, they, you know, they'll just ignore. But majority, if someone's got a valid point, they'll come back and say, yes, but I don't agree here and this and that. And that's what social commentary is meant to be. Well, and the, the, the problem is, is that, you know, because we're doing this all across social media, it's, it is all this. And, you, you know, Duma gave me this word a few months ago, but now I've used it all like pretty much every day, but it's all hyperbole, right? Um, it, there's so, we, even when I comment back, I'm just like, bah! I just puke out my left wing agenda. And then somebody else that's on the right, just like snowflake, blah, 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 talk about shit. And the funny thing about doing this episode was I really wanted to do an episode that says, can you be a surfer and be a conservative? And I wanted to prove that that was impossible. Like that was my, my left-wing agenda was to say, you can't do that. And then the more I started looking into it, you know, it, it, it really is not that simple. I mean, I, I think it, 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 you know, again, there are policy differences that right. do affect your quality of life. Look, if you're a surfer, you have to vote left. You have to vote Democrat. I mean, just the pure climate change and what they're doing to the environment and that kind of thing. That, yeah. that is enough to go. If you care about the ocean, unfortunately, regardless of like financial gain and yeah. all that kind of thing, small financial gains that sound appealing at the time, they don't actually turn out to be the same as like Obama. Everyone's like, it's going to end the economy. This right, is right. All these and, and now we can't vote it. Now we can't get rid of it. <laughs> yeah. It's the best thing ever. Exactly. Like, even like, the, even and, the right has to admit And we that. all haven't felt it like we thought we would out of our pockets. You know, everybody complained about it. Yeah. So... Business owners, not some, a little bit bummed on it. The, but, but your point, though, is funny because you make a point that I was making before. If you are, a, if, you're, if you're a surfer, you have to vote left. Well, you know, it's, yes, I do still agree with that. But, but what else do we need to do? If, if you are left, but then is, like, look, dude, I have, and you have, you've got a shed full of polyurethane that's a, that's a mile deep. And you're going to, and by the way, all the boards in that shed are going to come out, go somewhere else. And you're going to get a whole bunch of new boards. And eventually the boards that we all have had, I've probably had 600 surfboards in my life and they're all in a landfill or maybe all 600 of them are in some garage somewhere. But the bottom line is, and I drive up and down and up and down. I'm down the coast. Korea, so I'm exempt from. Oh, you're what exempt. You that's say. right. Yeah, yeah, so Duma, money <laughs> where your mouth is. I offset my carbon footprint. Yeah, well, I drive a Subaru, <laughs> so it's not like I'm driving an SUV. But I did used to drive a minivan with six kids driving up and down the coast all the freaking time to go surf. So we're all hypocrites. We're all selfish. We're all, you know, we, it's we just even a personal agenda. A hundred percent. And that's, and that's just human nature. And like, yeah. it's unfortunate the way it is, but if we can be conscious of that, that's right. And slightly more, and you're going to hear over the course of these last three, I've been using the word empathy, empathy a lot or empathetic. Yeah. And it's because I've been doing this course and they've been, you know, and it's this, it's called the alt MBA with Seth Godin. And that's, you know, they really try over the six weeks to try really get you into a state of being able to to emphasize with whoever you're dealing with whether it's employees or business owners or you know you're trying to sell clients and whatever but truly be empathetic like saying you understand somebody's side is not being empathetic that's right, right? it's really being able to put yourself in their shoes and taking information and then acting accordingly and how you would want to be treated if you were on the other side of it well and i think that's why it's so important for us to actually take in information from sources that we wouldn't normally look to and and at least understand what the messages are that they're being that are being delivered whether we agree that, or whether we think that they're true or not true or fake or not fake or whatever the words are of the day are that it's important and again i'm not saying i do this i'm saying i think it's important that we do um again to your point of, of admitting when you go surfing i'm going to admit that i'm a bit of a hypocrite when it comes to a lot of this stuff and and that i shouldn't i should do more research but you know, like when we were doing the research for this piece, and then I won't, we won't do too, go too much longer into this, but when we were doing the research for this piece, I initially started by, by looking at who initially signed the Clean Water and Clean Air Acts in California to try to figure out, you know, which side was, which, which you know, with the left or the right, which side was better, blue or red, um, on the environment. Well, it turns out that, and, you know, much to my chagrin and, and disappointment, Ronald Reagan was the first guy that signed in the Clean Air Act and, or the, the emission standards in California. And, and it made me almost, you know, I, I could never thought I'd get to a point in my life where I thought, man, I miss Ronald Reagan. But but at the moment, like <laughs> if, if, if you Republicans are listening to this thing, can you just bring like a Reagan guy back? Like we Reagan was fine. Like, well, like look, like, we'd you, take him any time. Yeah. Whatever side of the fence you're on right now. Yeah. Like and I spoke about this to my sister last night. We were watching TV and they had some Trump stuff on there. And you've got two like pretty 
unappealing candidates, right? Like the Cheeto man is just beyond. He's the yeah. worst of the worst. Yeah. But then you've got like, as you would say, sleepy Joe Biden. Yeah. Side, right? So like, it's like, there's not much to get excited about. No, here, not at all. Right. And, yeah. and this, what she was saying is like, America has the most incredibly intelligent, articulate people from, I think Obama was a good representative of that, right? But 100%, like, yeah. But scientists, engineers, like people that are forefront of like pushing this world forward. And these are the two people that they serve up. <laughs> yeah, so it's unbelievable. Like, I mean, like, and there wasn't, and, and to be honest with you, like, and, and, and in, in both parts, I remember when, when, when Trump was, was running um, and the Republican Party put up, I mean, they were a joke too. Like they had 20 people on that stage that were a joke. Our, our party, 20 people on the stage that were a joke. Like, totally. Like, I honestly did, I kind of like Kamala Harris. Everybody's going to be like, oh my God, you like Kamala Harris. But I did, yeah, I, I like Kamala Harris. The, but, but uh, honestly, dude, I mean, a bunch of just complete, like, nothing, like, nobody had anything to say. And, and the Republicans know better, maybe worse. I mean, the, the culture of just, they trash themselves within their party and yeah. their, um, and the, what do they call it, the Democratic debates or the Republican debates, right? Yeah. They literally trash one another. Yeah. Trash one another on both sides. And then they're like, okay, now we're championing this guy. Like, yeah. After they've destroyed each other. And then now it's like, okay, now we're going to champion them and get behind them because I want to be your VP. Yeah. Yeah. They just stop short when they're like, wait a minute, my my poll numbers don't look so good. Maybe I'm going to get on his side. It's gross. Anyway, but we're getting off topic as we always do. We go down this rabbit hole. So let's, uh, because most of you listening don't be in America and actually don't care. Yeah. Uh, Australia's got a terrible president right now. So does the UK. So does Brazil. Like, it's just, for some reason, is Boris Johnson still alive? I mean, hopefully not, but he is. Did, did Trump get COVID? Yeah, yeah. We'll no, know at the end. By the time this webcast goes out, this podcast goes out, it'll be, we'll know. Yeah. So, whew. so anyway, so, Selma Zekela, we'll let him take it away and I'll kind of interview with him and we'll connect, get, catch up with you guys on the other side. How you doing, man? I'm, uh, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm here like the rest of us running in the uh, hamster wheel that is Groundhog Day the uh biological edition how are you guys doing oh we're doing we're doing great we're just uh we're up here in the in the ted kazinski shack on on dumas property up in uh, topanga and it's a beautiful day so i guess we have nothing to complain about oh you dirty hippies it must be a completely different vibe to be sort of up above it all in topanga as opposed to uh down here and clustered in venice yeah it's the difference is insane. I've been like, because I've got to go down there to go shopping, right? And it's just the most stressful situation. Like, I come back from the stores, like, mentally and physically drained. Yeah, I, I, I feel it. I, I, every time that I, that I go, I just have to get myself psyched up. And then I also, like, I've just taken myself out of the energy of fear. Like, I stopped watching the news. I'll read about what's going on from reliable sources so I can get perspective. But, like, the um, news flashes don't help. And just like waking up and being in fear of the thing every day um, doesn't really serve you. So um, I just go in, do my thing, get out, but try not to give it too much energy. And, it, and it, that's working out a lot better than getting like, oh, fucking okay, time to go to the store. <sighs> you know? <laughs> <laughs> and one of the... One of the things we actually wanted to talk to you a bit about is like who is that news source that you've been looking at for kind of reliable information, right? Because so much of what is going on right now is, you know, in the hysteria and the fear and the divide in not only the nation, which has been happening for a long time, but the divide among surfers is coming from the news sources that each person is reading, right? Whether it's the Instagram or WhatsApp or friends messaging them stuff. What is your reliable source and, you know, where, how are you formulating your opinions on what's going on? I try to sort of pull information. Um, so I'll read everything from what's going on in other countries. You know, like I've been, I've been reading a lot of like news in Canada. That's a little bit more straightforward um, and, and based in uh, w- without having a political, a super political bend to it, just to see like, okay, how are things transpiring over here? You know, I'll even, I'll literally like, we'll even go on like Al Jazeera to get like a 30,000 foot view 
um, from from another perspective. Um, I'll read some long form pieces um, in Vox. Um, I'll, I'll read some Slate. I'll read some Washington Post. I'll read some of the Times. Um, but I, I just try to sort of do a little bit of the Atlantic, a little bit of the Guardian. I, I, I literally tried to get different perspectives um, and, and try to try to look for things that are sort of factually information based. Um, and search for as much truth as possible, as opposed to like things that are truthful, like that have elements of truth, but but clearly like just want to bend towards someone's agenda. Um, What's that? Stephen Colbert called it truthiness. <laughs> yeah, I went to the truth. Really true. I went to the I went to the truthiness uh, rally that he had in, in Washington D.C. like ten years ago. Funny that you even say that. Um, but I don't like, you know, the people who send me like the the YouTube videos, and if it, if it's titled, if it's titled, you have to hear what this doctor is saying. I I'm just like, yeah, I I'm 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 not going to be able to participate in that. Like that sensationalism <laughs> yeah. energy and. The, the, the same people sending you like five different conspiracy theories over the course of three weeks. I'm just like, Hey, you, yeah. you got to pick one because last week you were <laughs> telling me that it was 5g. Now you're telling me it was a plan by Bill Gates and yeah. et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Like I don't have time for it. Someone just sent me a new one the other day. And, um, you know, they were the same person that had sent me five different others. And I understand like people are scared. Right. And so it's easy to look for a reason for why we're so uncomfortable. Like this can't be normal that my life is being turned upside down and I'm being told that I can't do things. And my family is struggling financially and um, all these things Like my way of life that I've known, it doesn't doesn't cease to exist. And I've never been challenged this this heavily. So there has to be a reason someone is doing this to me as opposed to like, oh, this is a complicated planet that for millions of years like has been generating fucking viruses and we're in the midst of it right now. Like that's kind of how I look at it. And I try to I try my best to sort of deal in the science and I talk to an epidemiologist, the PhD epidemiologist that I know really well every week who's worked on the front lines with Ebola and other diseases and I just try to get like a Here's what we know today type perspective, because the information as we learn more is constantly shifting um, because we're learning about the thing in real time. And I think the thing that com- compounded it even worse for us as, an, as a nation is that, uh, you know, we, we, we have leadership in this country that thought that, okay, if we just wish it will go away, that's all we have to do. Like we're Americans. Like there's this, there's this thing with American exceptionalism because we've been taught that we could do anything. We could kick anyone's ass. And we're the best country in the world. And by virtue of the fact that we're the best and no one, can, everyone wants to be us. The second some shit that is happening that, you know, American exceptionalism cannot like deflect away. That fucks with people's whole identity, which is why you see people being, we being willing to like, Literally be like, no, wait a minute, this can't be real. I'm an American. I'm going to go out in the street with a thousand other people and prove that we're Americans and we have superpowers and none of this shit is going to affect us. All right, let me know how that works out for you. Well, that was this weekend. I drove by Huntington Beach. My wife, Sammy, lives down there, and I drove past, and it was the day after the protest, and I saw a surfer holding the board up that says, open up our beaches, and behind them was like a massive Nazi symbol. And, okay, the Gavin Newsom's face was blocked by the surfboard, but now you've got, like, surfers associating with, like, radical right-wing Trump supporters that are willing to paint Nazi symbols on, on posters. And that's kind of what you're seeing us happen to one another without even being conscious of it. Yeah, I mean, if, mm. if, and then that's the divide in the, in, in, in the world or in, in this country. Like, it's, it's already bled down all the way to surfing, which is, like, the most kind of, you know, it's such a beautiful pastime, and we all love it so much. And it's just such a bizarre thing to see that 
that symbol and that image, right? I am not remotely surprised, guys. Okay. But I'm not remotely one of the surprised. I yeah, think one of the that what really wanted to chat to you was when you're, I know nothing about surfing, right? That post. When I watched that, it really resonated with kind of how I was feeling too, and I think a lot of people. And I want, I guess, how did you kind of get to that point of, you know, you're saying not remotely surprised, but there was obviously a, there was obviously somewhere where you were surprised and how surfers were acting and kind of what, how we were treating one another and not think and really thinking about the individual and not the group yet. Yeah. Well. There was an element of sarcasm to that piece that I put up on IG. Um, I I was surprised at the quickness of of surfers being as as vocal that their rights were being infringed upon. I was I was surprised that we were so early into the thing that surfers were going to be like. This is an infringement on my civil rights. That part really did shock the shit out of me. But yeah, I wasn't surprised that that was a sentiment within a wildly privileged community that for the most part, like we, like the surfing community exists in a very sort of exclusionary space. You have to work very hard to be seen as cool and accepted and you know if you deviate in 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 in, in, in simple things think of think of think of how slow to like change in board design traditionally surfing has been and continues to be like it's a it is a it's a rather conservative selfish practice that we engage in and for a lot of people um it goes past being spiritual and goes into a place where being a surfer makes them better than better and different than other people who don't do it to the point where they're able to put themselves on a little bit of a high horse and um, look down at others who, who can't comprehend what that experience is. And I think that when you couple that with a fair, a fair degree of wealth and a, a fair degree of, of, you know, most of the neighborhoods, um, where surfing takes place are predominantly affluent white people, it doesn't really surprise me um, that something like this could, could, could cause a group of people to, 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 how can I say it, no longer be afraid to hide who they are and how they really feel. <laughs> yeah, that's a very eloquent way to say that, actually. Um, no, it's shocking to us too, because we were not shocking, but it, 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 you know, and it's weird. It feels kind of regional to, to me. Like, it feels like where you would expect that, that sentiment to emerge is, you know, um, most, I guess in, in the most stark way would be, you know, would be in that orange County kind of region. And that's exactly where it happened, right? It bubbled up there more than anywhere. And they were really just surfing all the way through it. So it was a little surprising that they were so freaked out that they were, getting their rights infringed upon. I haven't heard too many people, you know, up in this zone get that crazy about it. N- nobody's, I mean, people are bummed, but they're not like, they're not saying it's yeah, dirty. We were all, you know, tyranny is a big word. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're right. Like, I mean, we were all bummed. Like, but I was, yeah, I was like, I had even like chosen not to go to Huntington to surf just out of respect for the fact that like, hey, your beaches are open. The last thing that you guys probably want is all of Southern California de- descending on your zone. So I'm going to lay back and chill and wait until I yeah. have an opportunity to, to surf freely. So when I saw them taking it there, it was just like, no, nah, we want like, we want HB open. We want to be in the, at the bar at two o'clock, like fully sending it, like let's get back to living because we're Americans. And then I yeah. was just shocked by the amount of people that I knew that were at the protests like looking mm-hmm. in their stories and I'm just seeing them on their super 73s being like, yeah, we're out here for freedom. I was like, Oh, oh wow. You. Oh, okay. Cool. Very cool. Interesting. Um, but yeah, to your point, like y'all have the thing. What are you complaining about? So yes, that was going to be my next question for you. You've obviously grown up around guys like Joel and Derek and all these guys and you're, 
grown up certain with them and friends with them and have intimate relationships with if Kelly and all these people, have has have you had any discussions or like arguments with any of them? You know, because you know Joel and Derek and these guys have been actively uh, outspoken about going surfing and the rights thing and all that kind of thing. I I stopped arguing with Joel a long time ago. Um, <laughs> yeah. just for, for 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 my own uh, my own health and and for I think for the just for the health of of like our relationship. I've known Joel since we were late teens you know we share a common love of great music and jazz and um you know i i i got to live with him for a couple of winters on the north shore and and you know we we were grew up together in north county um but so that's my relationship with 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 joel and i wasn't surprised that he was going to lead the charge because joel's heavily opinionated and he's not afraid to stick his neck out but it doesn't serve me to fight people on it like i'm not going to go at joel like for what purpose like i'm just gonna he's not someone who's going to be changed by by uh discussion joel's got his positions and he's going to do his thing so there's no reason for me to go after to insert myself directly into the conversation against people i can put out my position and how i feel and how i observe uh the landscape which is what i chose to do i've had a lot of conversations my conversation with Kelly is basically like he and I trading information back and forth. And it's like, what do you think of this? Well, here's my point of view. What do you think of this? Here's my point of view. And this whole time, like I probably trade articles or have discussions more from like a philosophical standpoint without fighting more with Kelly than anybody as far as the type of landscape that you're talking about of people of influence, because he's relentlessly curious, sometimes to a fault. But also mm. the reason why he ends up, his relentless curiosity always has him end up being ahead of the curve with the the things that he ends up manifesting, whether it be in boards or et cetera, et cetera, right? He's relentlessly curious and he can't, he's got to search and search and search. And that's one of the things that I really respect about him. Um, we disagree a lot of times politically and we've had some knockdown, drag out um, discussions over the years when it comes to politics. But one of the things I do love appreciate about Kelly appreciate about Kelly is he does have the capacity uh, to grow and evolve. And if he does get to the point where he figures something out and he says he was wrong, he'll tell you. Um, so I can have discussions with him that way because it's based within our friendship. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's always, and it's, it's, it's hard to get there, right? Especially when you disagree about politics and, and it's politics, especially now or so like, you know, I, I have, if, if someone, if someone's wearing that red hat, I just, you know, I like it's a complete no go. It's a free country. Like you're literally free to to think how you want to think. But I think uh, what people forget is that, like, within that freedom is the freedom to be criticized if your beliefs can't hold water. So if someone wants to wear a MAGA hat and and and, and be a Trumper, do. Knock yourself out, but understand what it is that you're aligning yourself with and understand that you're going to be open to criticism from people who, for whom it's more than about like a difference of opinion and, and more of how those politics, um, the manner in which you align affects their lives. Um, and I think as like, for me, as a person of color, it is, uh, it's far, it's, it's more difficult for me to just be like, Oh, well, I respect you for wearing that hat. I don't really want to fuck yeah. with you if you're wearing a MAGA hat. Um, cause yeah. it's a symbol of, 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 of oppression. It's a symbol of racism. It's a, a, a symbol of, of, um, this, this, this real trying to turn back the turn back the hands of, of time in this country for the sort of def, the default of the conscience of America being white Christian men with wholesome value, family values. That, that, that's this engineering that that's got to be the mindset of America. And if you want to be an American, you should aim to walk and follow what that looks like. Um, that for me is kind of a non-starter. And some people would be like, oh, you guys always want to make it about race. Well, yeah, 
Um, I don't, I don't wake up in the morning and go, I hope I get to talk about some race shit, but I'm, I live in a country where systemically, like that's, it's part of the story and the framework of the DNA of, of what, um, America is about. And so, you know, watching an, an administration and a, and a, and a, a political bend that, that has been very insidious in making, in being consistent in making people feel like other groups of people are responsible for why you don't have shit in your life. Um, that's just not for me, something that I can, can get behind. And um, there's, there's hypocrisy in all of our, in all of our stands for how we might feel politically based in and around we live our lives. But that one for me is just a no go. And do you feel, do you feel racial tension when you surf in America or California? I always have. Yeah. Yeah. I've felt, I've, I've felt racial tension the entirety of, of my journey in, in becoming a part of this culture. You know, I came to the game late. I was 16 and a half, almost 17 when I started surfing and, and moved to Carlsbad. And there weren't any other kids that looked like me in the water. And I didn't see anyone else that looked like me in the water for a very long time. And I got used to being called the N-word when I paddled out at certain places. I got used to people, you know, laughing at me or poking fun at me that because of my race. I, get, I continue to be used to people finding it impossible to wrap their heads around that me being the color that I am is a prominent uh, voice uh, within our culture or, or, and, and a voice to the world that represents this culture. People all the time say to me, hey, how did you learn all that stuff? Like, I just don't understand how you, how you, how you learned all that stuff because you don't do that stuff. Um, and and I've, I've seen it and experienced it, you know, long enough. From the very second that I first moved to Carlsbad, and I've told this story more than once, you know, a kid said to me when I said that I wanted to learn how to swim, the first, the, one of the first kids I said I was going to learn how to surf, excuse me, um, said to me, he said, well, how, do you, how are you going to learn to surf when you people don't even know how to swim? Whoa. You, you know what I mean? Like that was like a, that was an opener from a kid who thought he was being nice to me. He thought he was like giving me a public service announcement. Like, hey, I'm stoked that you think you could do this thing, but you can't do the thing to do the thing. Um, I was fired from, I was fired from a surf shop in Oceanside, California, um, that I had had dreamed of working at. I was fired from that store because the owners literally told management that, um, I, I didn't fit the image of what a surf shop was because I was black and I was let go, but they, they had to lie to me and tell me that, um, they didn't have room on the schedule anymore, even though I had just gotten hired. And the, man, the, the, the guy who was managing the shop at the time ended up coming to me later, a couple months later, because it bothered his conscience. And so he came to me and told me, hey, I can't live with this anymore. You got, got to explain to you why you got let go, and it wasn't because we were slow. And those are the things yeah. that, like, when you're a, teenage, when you're a teenager, um, you know, have a, a, a huge effect in your development and who you are in a person. And that was one of the things that really lit a fire under me to be like, no one's going to tell me that this space is theirs and I should be lucky that they're sharing it with me. Like I'm going to go into all these spaces and I'm going to exist in a manner where like, no, I, I own, this is my space too. And, and I think that's, that's where, you know, at, at times I, I wonder sometimes about our community because sometimes people People get to thinking that it's theirs, um, and they get nervous when when other types of people want to have a sense of ownership of it too. Well, I mean, if you look at even just like in a in a, in a less in a more global sense, and and if you look at the way that the Damien and I talk about this all the time, which is like, you know, you can have Brazilian world champions, and it's, it's just not as appealing than you know as as a sort of blonde, toe-haired, you know, toe-headed surfer or American surfer. So all of a sudden you're like, oh. you know, they, they don't, the WSL doesn't want to talk about, you know, doesn't want to put a, a Portuguese translator when, when Italo is talking, you know, talking before he could even speak English, you know, you want to really get to know these guys and, 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 but you, you can't because it's basically like they're, they're trying to speak in a second language. So it's, I mean, I think racism yeah. and surfing is a pretty heavy, 
uh, thing that definitely is probably informing a lot of what we're dealing with that we're dealing with right now. I've, I, I do co- commend uh, the direction that the WSL seems like they're trying to go in to uh, combat that. Uh, for all the criticisms that people give Eric Logan for being a stand-up surfer, I do believe that he realizes and that they realize that, like, if you look at the, the, the online viewership of the contest, like, being watched by mostly Brazilians, <laughs> you know, like, there, there's... Yeah. there's 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 money there and if listen if it and if it's a money motivator to to get the big picture going sweet won't be the first time um that people decide to pay attention to a culture because they have an uh influence um at with 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 how they spend but the the brazilian storm is a classic example you know despite the skill of the surfers that we grew up watching in the in the 90s um, you know, Neko and Flavio Potteras, et cetera, Brazilians were, were openly mocked. It was open season, and all the magazines um, were never afraid to take shots at, at, at Brazilian culture and Brazilian people as not really being real surfers because of the language barrier and their weird passion and, like, didn't have this kind of style that people thought was appealing. So it was open season. And I, I, I think that when you look at, at the Brazilian storm, you look at 2011 when a bunch of these kids just came in and just went to town and redefined overnight what performance looked like, performance surfing looked like. Um, instead of acknowledging it, the, the ma- like instead of acknowledging like, holy shit, these kids rip on another level and they're competitive and they're passionate and they're not going anywhere. We watched, you know, the surf community on message boards, et cetera, consistently try to write, write them off, and they're being handed heat, et cetera, et cetera. Um, like, no one wanted to accept it. One world championship, two world championships, three world championships later, um, four world championships later in the last 10 years, now everyone's like, oh, 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 oh okay. And and this motherfucking Italo's just getting started. And it's <laughs> yeah, like, like he's just like he's like I haven't even left the tarmac let yet, motherfuckers. Like it's well, I, wait, wait till I, you see what I've got for you. I think that you know the WSL trying to push the Gabriel John John rivalry, but to me it's Gabriel Italo rivalry. That's going to be the one for the next five plus years. Those oh, two guys going yeah, at that's. That's uh, what we call. That's what you call in filmmaking the 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 B storyline that will fast become the A storyline uh, for sure. Especially since you know, Italo has got just such a different perspective of like, no, I'm going to embrace all of this. I'm going to be the happy go luck. I'm 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 going to be unafraid to like open up who I am. And it and it's like you you think about these surfers, you know, for whom, yeah, you're not going to get to know them if. English is not is a second language, and you know you how can could you imagine not being able to express yourself and feel comfortable like explaining the nuances of who you are when you, when you don't even have a grasp of the language and then you're going to be mocked but, for it? Yeah, well that's, that's like, what we're saying, you know. It's to learn his first heat, uh, his second heat of the year when he first on his first year on tour, beat Kelly Slater at Snapper, and like people were just like riding him off and. He could, the guy could speak no English. Like, he literally had four words, I'm so good, and that's kind of where that campaign yeah. came from, which was cool to see them champion that. And, uh, but how do you get to know a guy and get behind an athlete and for his sponsors, for everything, when you just, yeah, it's impossible to know him? Yeah. You say yeah. four words. I, I, like, you gotta get all of that out in four words. Yeah. And, and I, I, like I said, I think they realize now they don't have a choice. Like, the, the podium is going to be consistently dominated by the Brazilians for as far as the eye can see. Like, it, it's, right, it's, it's Australians, Amer- it's Brazilians, Americans, and Australians are the, it, it, it's, it's, it's even across the board as far as who, when we talk about the power structure of uh, dominance in professional surfing. And no one, I just think, it, it's shocking to me how many world titles that it took for people to finally accept it, like, yo, Brazil's not going anywhere. 
like they're dominating on every single level. Like, so open yourselves up and, and, and want to accept. I, I thought the, the Billabong, the, the, the Stokid campaign was, uh, was great to see people embrace that, but it shouldn't, it shouldn't take a gimmick. Um, totally. For, for for that to take place, and again, it comes back full circle to what we we're talking about when I, when I think that yeah, I think that there is social conservatism dominates a far greater portion of our landscape than we would like to admit when it comes to surfing in 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 Southern California for sure, but you could apply that to a bunch of different places. Yeah, so. Chad and I, you know, our whole podcast is rooted in kind of what's going on in the surf industry and, you know, how can we help it, whether it's leaving just some tidbits of, you know, what we think brands need to do. But one of the things we talk about, and it's, you know, it's no secret, is just how bad of a state the surf industry is, right? And COVID being the great accelerator for a lot of these brands possibly going away. And and do you think it's that mentality that you, you experience in the surf that is the reason the surf industry is in such bad shape? And I'm not talking so much about the core goods the groups and leashes, but the bigger brands that essentially have funded serving for so long and the WSL and all these great events we get to see. I think that the surf industry is on life support because the surf industry got drunk on power. The surf industry got drunk on profits and selling clothing um, and, and goods to the point where the surf industry really believed that they were the influencers of the culture and not the people. Am I making sense? One thousand percent. I mean that's what we've been saying the whole time. They're they're not they're and looking so, at their own Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, everyone going. stop listening and stop paying attention. And whenever there was a little flash of kids doing something differently, what do the brands do? put out those fires quickly <laughs> as quick as possible even to the point where like i'm gonna pay you to not dress and talk like you do and the brands it became very much like it was in the in the early 90s where all the brands started uniformly looking the same same cut same fabrics same look and feel different logo placement um with different different logo basically and everyone said, like, hey, if we can just keep this order and keep the money coming in, we're, we're great. And it was also this assumption that within the brands who get drunk on this idea that they are the actual people who are, like, putting the culture forward as opposed to the people who are doing it, that they assumed, like, oh, and the rest of the world wants to be like us. Because for a very long time, right? Surf culture was was aspirational as a as a as a fashion piece across the rest of the world. So a lot of these brands started making money from their most of the money they were making wasn't even coming from surfers, right? From people aspirational, like I want to I want to look like that and feel like that if I live in the Midwest or wherever. And I think what was what's been so great about the 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 mid two thousands up until now. And the expansion of, 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 of kids having access to culture via the internet is that suddenly, like, I don't have to just be into one kind of music, right, or one style of clothing, and I'm, I'm getting influenced by hip-hop and all these different things. And kids started curating what their look is and how they want to feel based on being into, like, streetwear and, and, and music and a bunch of other shit outside of just, um, you know, the things that were around them. So obviously the surf industry was going to take a hit because kids were like, Oh, I'm into a bunch of different shit. And like that stuff's not even cool. And I think it's, I think it's the greatest time ever in within from an industry perspective for a, a hard reset on, on what it looks like. Certainly a few of these guys need to go away, you know, for us to kind of reset, but I was talking to a pro server that I cannot name the other day, and, he, and you know, his kind of point of view on surf brands, and when I talk about surf brands, you know, these, the big five, or, you know, Volcom, Hurley, Quicksilver, and then they need to stop looking at themselves as surf brands. They're just clothing brands that haven't spawned a few surfers. And what are they doing that's different? Their clothing isn't different. There's no point of view. They're essentially like the only people you see on TV ever wearing these brands, Quicksilver, Billabong, Hurley. It's like people on Tiger King or on Cops getting arrested. 
like the worst of the worst, right? <laughs> Legitimately, the guy had to totally only your early head for the whole time. Right? Like, well represented. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, um, it's so true. Um, once the brands stop standing for something or having a point of view that set them aside, they became, you know, it's, it's just white noise. And I think it's the reason why Vans, if you look at all of the, the big brands, right, it's the reason why Vans continues to skyrocket and, and grow. Because they were always willing to sort of look in the wheelhouse of look at, at, the, at the legacy of their brand and the fact that, like, they were always willing to storytell and give artists and athletes an opportunity to storytell within their spaces and elevate those cultures. And it's a great business model. I mean, it's a genius business model. And I think it's the reason why bands, it's just this multi-billion dollar right, valued brand that's, you know, in, in the house of a big fashion house has still been able to like maintain their cool because they're like, okay, we're going to figure out ways to continue to service people that have a voice and service these cultures that, that, that need a voice and a platform and will be that. It's genius. It is. And I can totally back it up. Like just Mikey, has got a, you know, he's about to start working on a film project or, you know, COVID kind of stopped the travel on that. And is that was their approach. They literally said to him, what do you want to do? What do you want to make? How can we help you get there and facilitate it? And you need to influence the entire direction. And we, we just here to manage the budget or manage whatever you need help with. And that's been the approach, which is incredible. Yeah. Um, and I, 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 there's, I think, I mean, I look at the elements of Rip Curl that kind of get that right from a search perspective. Like what would Rip Curl be without the search? Right. I, I still look forward to, and, and want to get excited about, you know, the, the idea of, of, uh, of, uh, of, of, of Mick and Mason going out on journeys and, and who might join them. That still has a, an appeal to me. Um, and I think that, I don't think that all of these brands are, are necessarily dead in the water in their, in their being, having the ability to, to, to shift. But I, especially at this time, because this COVID is like a, a black light, right, on all the different aspects of society that, that don't function at the highest level. Um, it's going to be interesting to see who pivots and who really, like, narrows their vision into the definition of, of what they are and who they are as a brand w- within, the, within this thing if they're going to survive. Because if surfing was on life support before this period of time, if the surf industry was on life support before, then... But who knows? We're going to be walking through the morgue on the back end of this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I think we already are. I think it's already happening. Um, yeah. yeah. Interesting, though, because there's this, there's this, uh, I think you, you've kind of shed a bit of light on something that, that I think there's a parallel um, track here that, that, that with the way that, that certain people in certain locations are reacting to, to the beaches being closed and those same certain people being, you know, um, responsible for for the, the state of these brands or, or for them like exactly what you said is that they look at themselves as as the actual um, influencers you know within their little bubble and they think the whole world wants to be them I kind of think that they're the same people in other words the loudest voices about we can't you know we need to open up our beaches are also some of the same people that are that are guiding some of those brands into the ground you know I agree and and the, 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 one of the last things that I'll say on that, that perspective is that surfing being your only definition of, of who you are is a, do, is a two-edged sword. Like, if, 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 you, if your sole definition of your existence lacks influence outside of just surfing, I think you're doing your, yourself a disservice at, at even being able to like fully enjoy the beauty of what surfing is. And I don't know, I just get a sense of that at this time. I'm like, oh, wow, there's some people for whom like without this, like they've got no existence. And 
a lot of the brands are the same way. Like they don't look elsewhere for influence because they really do think that like this is the only shit. Yeah, you, you spot on. We did this cool report for Red Bull about a year ago, and we took a bunch of servers away. And people that had were influential within their lineup, right? Like a Paul T, a different guy. And we kind of asked them a bunch of questions. They didn't know what, who it was for. And that was kind of the common theme, right? Like nobody identifies as a surfer anymore. And if you do, it's kind of sad. Like you're a, an entrepreneur that happens to surf, or you're a chef, or you're an architect, you know, that happens to surf. And until the service industry can wrap their head around that, can it continue being dead in the water? And, selling to the few and the people that still do identify themselves as service don't actually buy a surf product they, you know they ask for a discount or they yeah. get it for free or whatever it is exactly <laughs> <laughs> the pro deal <laughs> yeah um yeah it's it's spot on i i i and i think it, it's funny the surf, surfing if surfing wants to continue to grow like to really really grow and have another like push of being an influence to, to culture, it really needs to get over itself is the bottom line. We, we agree 100%. Like we've been talking about it for five weeks now on this podcast, but like pretty much all the time just going, what are you guys doing? Like, you, I mean, and it's weird because it is such a bubble, huh? Like you go down, it's just, and, and what, I, I didn't want to name the surf brand, but I did this for a surf brand. One was once was that they're owned by a larger company and that company wanted to have some, some consumer data. And so they, they sort of did this little cheat, but they said to me before they even started the project, they said, we already know who our consumer is. It's the kid across the street. It's the kid down, <laughs> at, down at HB Pier. It's the kid down at 54th street. That's, that's the, that's our consumer. And I'm looking at it just going, wow. Like even me just driving back up to like Malibu, you know, the, the difference of the people that are surfing down in Newport and Huntington and the people that are surfing in Malibu and, and Zuma and like and this is Dennis, like, like it's a different planet, you know, and the fact that and, that's what this large surf brand owned by a large athletic conglomerate, which you now can guess who it is, is that's what they thought is just terrifying, you know, <laughs> like, it's them. terrifying, but not surprising. Because no. for a very, very, very long time, the surf lens was able to be looked at through that little narrow, like aspirational lens of, of, of Southern Orange County, of, you know, the Gold Coast, and sprinkled in with a little bit of, like, Polynesian, like, regal texture but even that not being really embraced just this more as like a you know like a like a like a like a backdrop to the thing but 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 we're really like what define it now like that was the lens of what you what did you needed to act like in order to like be a surfer and as we talked about you know just a few minutes ago surf culture is now being defined by regions that could give zero fucks about any of those places I just mentioned. And it's happening all over the world. I mean, you look at what's happening in like in Senegal and Uganda and and all across like the African continent and all throughout South America and all these different like remote places um, in, 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 in Europe and other places where like, where like there's the, their their local culture is defining what their what surf culture is, and until we until until the surf industry is willing to accept that like nobody cares, no one's trying to be you, bro. See, until the surfing industry <laughs> like is is really like willing to accept that like that's not the aspirational thing anymore and that the landscape is wide and the opportunity for storytelling is vast and that like the depth what surf culture looks like and how we think of surf culture 10 years from now is not going to look like anything we've ever known before um especially as like various cultures that never really had access now are having access and are telling their stories i highly suggest that people follow an instagram account called textured waves that is just will blow your mind of these incredible women of color who are like, okay, there's no platform for us. We'll watch this. That's really what it comes down to, to me, um, that 
it, it, it's it's going to be the surf industry's choice. I Otherwise, really it won't exist. I think it's a great opportunity to give the crew at Mummy Water a plug, right? Like you're involved with those guys, Nick and um, what's the name? Um, what's Nick's Nick and Andy. Yeah, well, Andy, I mean sorry. that's yeah, Andy Davis. The the brand. Like I, I didn't want to be a self plugger, um, but yeah, that's what makes one of the things that makes me so excited about Mummy Water is being able to, you know, tell this story of the power of African surf. Um, there's just, it's just so cool to watch all these, these, these surf cultures that are exploding around the world, man, Senegal, it's my, as soon as I can, we can travel again, I'm going like, I've been talking to, to this, uh, to a group there. Like I, I'm just constantly drooling over not, uh, not just the waves, but like just the energy that these kids have and like their local surf culture. I'm like, I want to go in there and feel what that is. Like that's been that's one of the greatest things about being a surfer is being able to go places and like bathe in what that culture is. Um, but it's exciting, I, I, and I, I think that's what the the uh, to me that's what the future the future is. Yeah, the last time I watched the surf trip and felt like a drama game was Dylan Graves' Weird Ways when he went to Angola, right? With those kids, it's just the greatest yeah. thing you ever see. That is just pure yeah. so at, at you know at its core. Um, but Senegal definitely won. Mikey had an had an amazing trip with bands. Unfortunately, his boards and that didn't show up. But in his new collection, it's that's where it was all shot in Senegal. And he said there's some insane waves and the crew was just out of this world. But I think going oh, back he to hit me. Watson, he like, hit me. He I got a DM from Mikey when he was in Senegal, and all he said was like, "You have to come here with me. It's gonna blow your mind." Like he's, yeah. he just was like losing his brain. And that's one of the crews he wanted to kind of showcase in, a, in his film, you know, one of his one of his episodes going forward. But going back to like Mummy Watson, you see which brands are gravitating towards them, right? And I kind of look at you kind of got to start at the top of fashion and where it goes down. Like you go to Mr. Porter, which is a lifestyle and clothing business a retailer with amazing content. Mr. Mr. Like, Who, bro? Mr. What? Yeah, exactly. What are you talking about, bro? <laughs> yeah. It's not it's not HSS. Yeah, they do like a billion dollars in sales a year, but <laughs> Mummy Watson's on there, you know, you've got like uh, Montclair uh, collabing with them. So these are the, this is the aspect of surf that the outside world is gravitating towards now, not the traditional, right? So these brands, like you said, have to be able to um, kind of change and figure out a new focus and the direction, what they stand for to make themselves appealing to the outside world. Thank you. And I wasn't going to brag, but like Montclair didn't hit up Billabong or or Rip Curl, or any of those other brands, they hit up a small brand out of South Africa called Mami Watson and said, we want to collab with you. And rappers are shouting out Montclair every day. And that's it, right? Like, regardless of, like, that your price point, you can afford that price point or that's how you shop, that is the ripple effect and where it starts coming down, right? And until you are able to appeal to that audience, you're never going to have any influence beyond Orange County Beach. Yeah, and I mean, I think that the that the you know the future of influence is probably decidedly not necessarily rooted in white culture. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I think that's in fact, if you look at the it, it, it's it's I, I'm not just necessarily white, but just I think that's where where it's a lot of this stuff is 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 um it goes back to again the, the sort of idea of white privilege, and it goes to the idea of affluence, and it goes is you know, coastal affluence. And and just the the sort of lens that they see everything through is basically every, the whole world is is as I see it and as I say it is, and not necessarily they're not looking around around them. And I think that's just true in general, right? That's that's that goes to the the the, the, the maga hats that goes to a lot of those types of things, which is just really an inability to see beyond their own you know cul-de-sac. Um, Man, and, you, know, you just you just you just you just you just said all of that in the most beautiful way. Um, and in a way that like I could say it and those same people that you're talking about would be like, you're being divisive. Stop making it about race. But for you yeah. as a white person saying it, they have to be like, they're like, Oh, I didn't think of it that way. And, and it requires like voices like yours, like, to be allies that are basically saying like, Hey, this isn't, it's, it's not, it's, it's, it's not putting down who you are. It's just actually no. asking people to, to like 
widen the scope of the things that influence you so that you can enjoy the, the whole beauty of what this world is outside of your cul-de-sac. Well, Sal, we really appreciate your, uh, your contribution here. And it's, 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 it's amazing. And, and I, we could have never, you know, uh, hope for such, such depth. So we're, we're super excited. No, I, I really appreciate. Um, and I'm just grateful that, um, that people within our industry are, um, are willing to have the, these type of conversations because you can run, continue to run from them, but they ain't going anywhere. And so, you know, embracing it is really us embracing what our future uh, looks like. So thank you guys. Um, thank you. My, pod, my, my, my podcast drops at the end of the month. Uh, it's called what shapes us. Have me, have me back on. And, uh, and we'll talk about it closer to the, to the, when we, we debut, I'll, I'll hit you guys. Sounds like a good, good reason to talk again. Thanks, Del. Have a good day, man. Hey, thank, thank you guys. Do well. So, I mean, so much more there was Sal than what we expected, right? And yeah. It's pretty, I mean, what a crazy ride he's had, what he's had to endure to get to where he is. It's, and then his perception on the surf industry, right? Like there's, yeah. to me, there's a guy that the surf industry should champion as like kind of the face of it, right? Like yes. beyond, like whether it's a brand using him or, He's just a great representative for the sport and kind of the future of it, right? The way they t- talks about the Brazilians and engage, you know, and how long it took for us to accept them. Yeah. And we're all guilty of that. Like I was surfing against him in the early 2000s and then being like, these Brazilians are the worst, you know? Yeah, it we've all of, said it. Totally. You know, but it's, but to know that, you know, to now to understand that they probably had to endure much of the same kind of feeling that he did growing up surfing. Yeah. It's, it makes me really bummed on myself and kind of our whole culture in general. Yeah, I mean, you know, these guys show up here and, and it's the same thing. They have a bad experience in the water. But I think that, you know, that and that, which is like we can get into we will get into the to the Brazilian thing. In fact, I, I'm hoping we can get um, a few high level Brazilian surfers and, and, and others around um, around the scene on our podcast to, to really get dig deep, deep into that, because there is a big that is that is a form of straight up racism. It just, it just is. Yeah. And it's not nationalism. It's not USA versus Brazil. It's if Brazilians spoke English and were white, you wouldn't think the same thing of them as you do if they speak Portuguese and are, and have dark skin. It's just straight up is the, is the case. So, you know, we've talked about that for a long time on this podcast, all eight episodes. Um, but this, in this case, uh, I think what was really stark to me is that, you know, and, and I think you said it best, Damien, and I'll, I'll let you kind of finish this, but that, that, that we're all freaked out about not being able to surf and we're calling that tyranny. We're calling it like really over, overblowing what that really is. Like, so we can't surf for a little while, right? These, there are people that have been persecuted, hunted, killed. Yeah, this week in the news that guys gunned down in Georgia in the street. Like, as a new American citizen... Being enraged over not being able to surf is bullshit because that is just a personal that is a personal agenda. The fact that a, a young male got gunned down in the street that the, that if that wasn't filmed on an iPhone, they would have gone away with it. The 100%. only reason is somebody probably had a conscious and released that video. Yeah, gone, that should enrage you to get out and go protest. Like yeah. that is a reason to be like angry and like and and trying to make a change. Yeah, not like and. Again, I'm a new citizen, but I probably know more about the Constitution and American history than most of you because I had to study it for my test and I yeah, really took right. the time to do it. And Oliver Stone's history of the United States is fascinating in whatever way it is, you know, for whatever yeah. bit of conspiracy in there. But I've learned a lot and I've spent the time to do it and it because it's got such an interesting history. But it's not like, like Sal said, it's not like un-American to like close our beaches and not let us surf. Like yeah. that is just a bullshit. You're taking a portion of a portion of some copy somewhere in the in the constitution and right. like just using it to your advantage whenever it suits you. Here's the thing. If if this was life or death, then and, and again, it doesn't even have to be life or death. Well, these guys are these kids, these guys down in in it doesn't matter what what area, it doesn't I don't care if it's Newport or LA or wherever. They're complaining about the beaches now. They're calling it something that is like so and they're using Nazi prop as we've said several times, Nazi visuals like the gnarliest shit ever because you can't surf. 
There are those out there. There are people out there that yes, would Donald say. Donald Trump said it on the said it this morning. Like, well, we didn't get to see the whole video, so like, who knows? Actually, you know, he was like, did his thing. It's a disgusting act. Is all yeah. the same words you've heard him say about every sure. terrorist attack, whatever. And they go, hey, you should probably say something about this. Yeah, and then like the yeah. other lame thing is like, oh, technically Georgia doesn't have like a hate crime in its yeah, well, in its judicial system. Like, I mean, look, because they can charge. You know, can be a more severe charge for that kind of thing. So, if you can think that all the way back to Trayvon Martin and and way, 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 way back, you're talking, you know, since the days of the Reconstruction and slavery, and I, I mean, years and years, generations. But but just in recent memory, if you think of like the Trayvon Martin thing, the kid had a Snapple and some Skittles and a freaking hoodie. And this dude, and George Zimmerman, killed him. Okay? And people go, well, he looks suspicious. He shouldn't have been looking suspicious. That's like saying that girl shouldn't have been wearing that short skirt. She, Of course she got raped. Yeah, no, you know? absolutely. Like, and so this... This is the kind of thing that you get. You call tyranny. This is the kind of thing that you get outraged about. This is not, you know, not being able to surf is not a freaking is not going to kill you. Yes, and a hundred percent, you're spot on. And being angry about not your business is being closed. You know, Russ talked about you know what kind of implications that's going to have on society and the yes. hospitals alone on suicide rates and depression and all that kind of thing because people are worried about money. That's one thing. Not being able to surf. Come on, guys. Like, yeah. We all live in Southern California and we're extremely blessed and fortunate to have the beach nearby, right? Yeah. And that's why we pay the high rents and why we work hard and why we're here. So we're all frustrated it's closed, but not, not being able to surf, come on. Yeah. Go yeah. like get out of bed and go protest for a reason that actually matters and try to create real change. Yeah, go protest for something that actually does is tyranny. Like there like is tyranny in this country. Getting gunned down in the street, running. There is injustice. In 2020. In this, exactly. There is injustice. Go protest it. But it ain't the beaches being closed. I'll tell you that right now. No, that's not so, an injustice. It's yeah. an inconvenience. It's an inconvenience. So with that being said, that's us I'm applauding gonna, each I'm other. I'm gonna go out on a win. <laughs> enjoy this. I'm sure there'll be a lot of comments. En- uh, enjoy this light episode. Yeah. Uh, hope you guys have a good weekend. Uh, next up. What is next up? Social media. Oh, the shit. landscape of social media in the surf industry. All you right. know, we'll be using, we'll be referencing Nike and the Patagonias and the people that are doing a right, and they'll be crucifying the Quicksilvers. And the oh god! But yeah. we we might even bring on a social media expert. He hasn't replied to my email yet, but my next email to him will probably make him shiver in his boots a little bit. So yeah, yeah. He'll be forced to. Yeah, yeah, have yeah some, exactly. Have some dirt on him. The nice thing about having dirt on every single person in the surf industry <laughs> yeah. is that we can actually utilize that for our own benefit. Yeah, shit. All right. That's on. See you guys. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.